Okay, church, here we are uh, all together, I hope, and we're on virus protocol. We got everything we need. So I want to let you know uh, a few items before we get started here with our message this morning. Uh, first of all, today at two o'clock, we are going to have our first One Life uh, story post. So I encourage everyone to engage with those. The one will come out a day for the next two weeks. These are not descriptions of our One Life initiatives. These are stories of folks who have, or stories about folks who have been um, touched by these initiatives in whose life God is working. And I think at this time, that positive story each day will be a very, very good thing. Um, above in this message, you will also see links to announcements from Pastor Marta of things going on in our church. You'll also find links to some of the songs that would have been done here on Sunday morning. We don't have the licensing to perform them for you at this time, but if you want to get your worship on at home, just click those links and the words and music will be there. And uh, we also have links to our giving tab for those of you who want to continue in the practices of tithes and offerings for the next couple of weeks. Please do that online that way. And I also want to say a word uh, about this virus protocol. We are doing this for those over 65, babies and people who are already ill. For most of the rest of us, this epidemic is going to just feel like kind of a repeat of November, December, when some of us got the flu really bad, stayed home for three or four days, and then came back with stories about how awful we felt. But it's a lot different for folks who are very young, over 65, or already ill, and that's why we're doing this. So let's be mindful of that as we go through this time. And for the next month and everything we do, think about them, pray about them, often that's that's who we're doing all of this for now in our message today you're going to by the end of the message need a uh, slip of paper scrap of paper and something to write with so if you want to throw this on pause for a moment and make sure everyone has uh, a, a slip of paper and something to write with so you'll be ready by the end of the message go ahead and do that now our scripture this morning that's going to take us t- closer to easter Uh, begins with Jesus being arrested. Gospel of Mark. They took Jesus to the high priest and all the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes were assembled. Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards, warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none. For many gave false testimony against him, and their testimony did not agree. Some stood up and gave false testimony against him, saying, We heard him say, I'll destroy the temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. But even on this point, their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But he was silent and did not answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, Why do we still need witnesses? You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? All of them condemned him as deserving death. Some began to spit on him, to blindfold him, 
and to strike him, saying, Prophesy. The guards also took him over and beat him. This tragic story takes us deeper into Lent. They've gathered in the night and they have to get these witnesses because their scriptures, our Old Testament scriptures, say that you can't condemn someone to death unless you have two witnesses that agree. And they can't get any two witnesses to say the same thing. Jesus said the temple would be destroyed, but he never said he would destroy it. And he said that God would raise up a new temple in three days, but he never said he would be the one building it. Finally, they just asked Jesus, are you the Messiah, you know, the Savior of Israel that we've all been waiting for? And when he tells the truth, yes, that's what they condemn him for. Why? They were all waiting for the Messiah and the Savior. Why, when he says, I am here, do they condemn him? I don't really know, but I suspect it's because they would have rather have chosen the Messiah. Maybe they'd rather it have been one of them, a priest or some sort of ruler, but not, not a wandering rabbi. They weren't having that. The irony is that this is the Gospel of Mark. Okay? This contains the Messianic secret, if you've ever studied the Gospel of Mark. Here's what the Messianic secret is. Every time in the Gospel of Mark, someone figures out that Jesus is the Messiah, he sternly warns them, don't tell anyone that. Right? Keep the Messiah thing a secret, which is interesting. Why is he doing that? It's because they were all looking for a Messiah back then. And they all had an idea of what that Messiah was, and it was usually a, a military figure who would come and throw out the Romans and, and put Israel on top of the world. And that's not really what the Messiah has come for. Actually, he's come for something a lot bigger than that. To free all of humanity from sin, to unleash the Holy Spirit of God and the presence upon all humanity. And so when they guess he's the Messiah, Jesus kind of says, don't tell anyone that until the mission is complete. Now that it's getting time for the mission to be complete, and he says, I'm the Messiah, they condemn him as if he's trying to make himself king. And that's exactly why he was trying to keep it a secret this whole time. That's, that's irony. Right now, people you love are being torn down by false witnesses. Your brother and your sister-in-law, they're buried under a mountain of debt. Some of them may be about to lose their marriage because the false witnesses of this world have continually insisted that if they kept buying things, a bigger house, a nicer car, uh, keeping up with the neighbors, that that was going to make them happy. And it has not. While we sit here, your buddy from high school, your buddy from college is ate up with addiction. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's the internet. They used to be so fun. So full of life. And now they're hollow. Because the high priest of this world gave them a false god to worship. And now that false god has failed them. Your co-worker's in a bad relationship. Or she's looking for her next bad relationship. Because she's desperate to be loved. She's never experienced the love of God. Or the love of the church. And the false prophets have told her there's no such thing. 
There's no such thing as the love of God and there's no such thing as love in church. And then there's your best friend who's been hurt by an unhealthy church. And now they just want to stay home every Sunday and they go through life in this unhealthy, uh, purposeless grind. Not everyone has to be in a dire situation like this. It may just be the parents of your kids' friends on the sports team or at the studio. And they just, they, you know, they may be really pleasant people, really high-functioning people. But they have no God in their life. And you know, I mean, look at what we're doing right now. We all know this world doesn't just leave you alone. Things happen. What will happen to them? I mean, they're high functioning now while everything's going well, but what will happen to them when their time of trial comes and they are without God? If you were here this morning, many of you would be sitting next to an empty seat. I want to ask you right now, who is not here sitting next to you week in and week out because this world has them by the hand or has them by the throat? But you know what ought to disturb us more than the devious priest working against Jesus? You know what ought to disturb us more than the false witnesses who have fed all of our friends and loved ones a line? Do you know what ought to scare us more than the the fake prophets of this scripture in this world? Verse 54. Verse 54 ought to disturb us. Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest And he was sitting with the guards, warming himself by the fire. Peter, a disciple of Jesus, probably Jesus' best friend, is warming himself by the fire, sitting with the guards who brought Jesus here. I mean, now Peter and Jesus have a chance to stand face to face with their real spiritual enemies, the people who have been holding all of Israel in spiritual bondage and confusion. And Peter decides he's going to sit this one out. He's close to Jesus. Uh, He walked in here with Jesus at a distance. He can see Jesus from where he is. But he's not standing in the mission of Jesus. He's warming himself by the fire. Is that what we're doing? Our extended families and our in-laws are suffering under debt and marriage friction. And we know God's wisdom for marriage and God's wisdom for money has power and sets people free. But we don't invite them to come hear it. Why? Why don't we take the risk that really isn't going to hurt us at all. I mean, at least Peter had a significant risk. He may go to the cross with Jesus. But what's our risk? That it might be awkward to invite someone into the Christian life? It might be awkward for a minute? God might also use it to unleash healing power into their life. But but we're just going to sit here and, and warm ourselves by the fire? Your friend who's lost an addiction, you know God has the power to break that. In fact, maybe the only power that that can break that. But you haven't invited your friend to come and receive the only hope he or she has because we don't want to make it uncomfortable. 
Draw a line from where your friend is right now. Out five years if they never encounter Christ Jesus. Draw a line from where they are right now out five years from now. Now that's going to be uncomfortable. Are we really just going to watch from a distance while that happens, warming ourselves by the fire? Your co-worker, she, she gets in and out of these relationships because she's lonely. She craves real community, authentic love. That's literally our mission statement, to build a community of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. And because she knows you, she's just one degree of separation from everything that she needs. But not if you're warming yourself by the fire. And your friend hurt by church, he needs to see this authentic community in action to restore his faith or restore her faith. This is someone who may already believe in God and Christ Jesus probably does, but they've been hurt. And you have to act now before that wound scars over and becomes a wall so that they never encounter Jesus Christ again. It's time to come away from the fire and to go over and stand with Jesus against this world. Now, some of you are asking, what is the big deal? What is he talking about? How does Christ Jesus come into the life of someone in these modern times and these circumstances? What real difference does this make? It makes a lot of difference. I'll just give you one example this morning. Let's say you're going through a hard time or you're going through an empty time. You know, a time when you just get up, go to work, do the deal, but you're just not sure why anymore exactly. When you're going through a hard time or an empty time and you pray, the presence of Christ Jesus, and this all assumes that the presence of Christ Jesus is real, that's what we believe. The presence of Christ Jesus comes to you and says, you're not alone in this. Even though this is very hard what you're going through, this is not just going to downward spiral and get worse and worse and worse until you're destroyed. This emptiness is not just going to get bigger and bigger and more empty until there's no point to it at all. Even though your mind says you should be prepared for that, that this will just destroy you and this emptiness will never go away, the presence of Christ comes and assures you there's another hand at play here. And then the presence of the Holy Spirit comes and begins to whisper to you, Things about yourself that you could have never have heard before. Frankly, never have heard during better times. Things about maybe how you got into this mess to begin with. Or things about something that could change about yourself that would help you move through this time. Or maybe just things that you've been taking for granted all this time and never noticed that you had. This is where people get those stories where they say, I came out of that time stronger. That time changed me. This is where people get those stories where they say, I would never inflict that hardship or that emptiness on my worst enemy, but I also would not want it taken out of my life because that's where God spoke to me and it changed everything. There are lots of other differences that it makes and I'll share a different one next week and a different one the week after that here for a while, but that's just one real difference that the presence of Christ can make for someone in these modern times and the circumstances that we're all living in. 
But do you know the good news here? Do you know what the really good news is in this passage? First of all, is that Jesus wants all of these people to come to him and be healed. He is ready to accept and receive them. Jesus loves your in-laws. Jesus loves your friend. Jesus loves your co-workers. He loves your best friend. He loves the parents of the other kids on your team or at your studio. Jesus is going to the cross to show just how far he's willing to go for them. This is what Easter is all about. And he's defeating all the powers of sin and evil on that cross that is trapping them. And he's unleashing the power of the Holy Spirit that can bring healing to them. And you know what else is about to happen? Peter is about to be brought back into the mission. Even though he's been warming himself by the fire up till now, even though, and we're going to see it next week, this gets worse, Peter actually denies Jesus. Despite all of that, in the blink of an eye, Jesus is going to bring Peter back into the mission. You know the mission of Christ, don't you? For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Even if we're just lost, warming ourselves by the fire. He came to seek us out and bring us back. And after that, Peter never warms himself by the fire again. Rather, he invites people into a community of authentic followers of Jesus Christ everywhere he goes for the rest of his life. While he's a young man, while he's a middle-aged man, while he's an old man, he's never out of the mission again. He never goes over and warms himself by that fire again. Actually, very little time is lost. I've lost time too. I have my neighbors on either side of me that I've been ignoring too. But not anymore. I'm prayed up and ready. If I go out to my mailbox today and I meet my neighbor there as I often do, I'm prepared to start talking. I'm prepared to start sharing. It won't matter when they come and become a part of this community of Christ. The time I wasted won't matter anymore. Very little time. You need to be lost. To build a community of authentic followers of Jesus Christ, we can do the same. So pray for courage to invite your loved one, your friend, your coworker, your kids' friends into community. It doesn't have to be awkward. You're not a stranger to them. You're not going door to door. You're not accosting them on the streets with a bullhorn while they're trying to get something else done. They know you. You've hit it off with them. They trust you. If you've done it right, they already know you're a Christian. They may be wondering why you've never invited them before. We have a doctor here in the congregation who takes a chance. When new people move to the community and come to his office, he asks them, do you have a spiritual community? And depending on how they answer, he might say to them, well, you should try my church, Lakeland. That's where I go. He's taking a chance doing that. But folks have come and joined because he does. And your brothers and sisters in the church, we're all going to back you up. When, when your friend finally comes, the greeters and the coffee bar volunteers are going to be so friendly to them and so welcoming of them. And the children's ministry volunteers, they're going to show up and be so awesome and full of energy for your friend's kids if they have kids. 
So for all of you in the children's ministry, when you wake up in the morning, you think, oh, do I really want to go do highs and lows and wrangle all that? I'll just text Mickey or Jody or Adam and tell him I can't make it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because that might be the day that the person sitting next to you has been inviting their friend for months. You know, the average person has to be invited into church community seven times before they actually accept. And that's the day their friend comes and they bring their kids and their kids need to have an awesome experience. So you need to be there full of energy and life and do the highs and lows. And and you just got to be so good that day. And Dan and Marta and I, we're going to be clear and tell them about Jesus as clearly as we can and the real difference he can make in a modern person's life and all of our circumstances. And the band is going to be on their A game. They always are. And the best small group leaders in the world will be waiting in the wings when that person you invited is ready to take that step into authentic community. This is why Jesus is going through that torturous night and moving toward the cross. This is the purpose of Easter, that people trapped in spiritual bondage and caught in the snares of this world and confused by all of its false prophets and false witnesses can reach out to God and find that he's been right there waiting all that time to set them free. Imagine that person you're thinking of standing out there in the lobby and looking at the milestone wall and saying, oh, this is a spiritual journey. It starts here at Discovery. What's that? That's a lunch? Maybe I should go to that. Imagine you sitting there with them as they take their first steps. Can you picture them in women's ministry? Can you picture them in men's ministry? I just went to a men's ministry event on Monday, Man Food Monday. Sign up for Man Food Monday if you want to eat barbecue once a month. And there was a table full of faces I've never seen before. People were inviting their friends from work to come be part of the men's ministry. Now, I think we could do a little better job of mixing in with them and, and, and welcoming them and introducing ourselves to them. Don't smother them, but be mindful. When you see a new face, make sure they get a welcome. Make sure they know how happy you are they're here. Give them a chance to get to know you. We're not warming ourselves by the fire anymore. That's not what this story is about. That's not what all this place has been built for. Lakeland is built for mission. All the prayers, all the sacrifice, all the blood, sweat, and tears, all the serving, all the money, all of it to build a community of authentic followers of Jesus Christ. So, Come away from the fire and stand with Jesus. He's ready. The whole church is ready. We got the ribs up in here. It's time to ring the dinner bell. What'd that mean? That goes back to a sermon we did right after Christmas where we compared Lakeland to a ribs restaurant that not enough people know about. Look at our milestones ministry. Look at our prayer ministries. Look at our children's ministries. Look at this community, the worship Look at all of it. We got the ribs up in here. It's time to, time to ring the dinner bell. So take a moment, and now's where you get your piece of paper. And on that piece of paper at the top, write the name of the person who first invited you into the community of Jesus Christ. And during our prayer time, give thanks for them. Pray a blessing for them. And then at the bottom, 
Put the name of a person that you could do that for. Someone you, you may run into this week. Someone that you could invite into spiritual community. Now, this prayer is going to do some things. First of all, you're proclaiming to God that you are ready. God may have been waiting for this for a time to, to be able to use you to reach this person that he loves. So you're proclaiming to God that you're ready with this prayer. Also, this pulls up your spiritual antenna. Or for those of you who have never had a device with an antenna, this turns on your notifications. So that as you're going through the week now, and that person says something that opens a door, they may say, oh, did you have church this Sunday or were you guys closed? Or what do you think about all this that's going on? Rather than just answering that in some lame way, you'd be like, maybe this is the opportunity. Maybe this is the opportunity to make that first or that fifth invitation. And so this prayer helps you be alert and ready to be used by God and not later think, you know, they were kind of asking about church. I wonder if I should have said something more than, yeah, we did it by video. So we don't miss those opportunities. So write those names down. And then we're just going to have a time here for you to pray. Thanks for the ones who invited you. And that God would create an opportunity for, for you to be invi inviting to someone else. And with that prayer, we'll close this morning.